B will be. Hello and welcome to the Tukaneko podcast, episode 48? I mean, if that's right, that's fantastic. I, th- I, think, <laughs> I think I put it in one of our podcast updates the other day. <laughs> so it always sounds better when you know the episode number, you know? Yeah. Welcome to Tukaneko podcast 48. I'm James. I'm Harry. And we are the two members of Tukaneko. Two Piece Forever, baby. No bassists, nothing. <laughs> Get out! <laughs> no. um, today, we're going to be talking about a range of topics, um, but we're going to kick off with the Beatles Get Back documentary, because, well, this has not just been the biggest part of my week, it's been the biggest part of my life. So Biggest part of your life, James? <laughs> It, wow. No, no, not a big fan of that. But not far off. I do love the Beatles. <laughs> oh, isn't that so exciting? So, um, <laughs> Abbey Road was the best day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Beatles related. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Anyway, so we are... We'll get to that in a second. But let's set the scene. For those who aren't on the video, we are still in this house in France. We're sat in front of the fire because there's no central heating. But oh, it's cosy. The fire is amazing. The fire is toasty, so toasty, toasty. Right toasty. <laughs> I mean, we are... Inches away from it, but <laughs> it's the level of toastiness I've been looking for. <laughs> yeah, so we're huddled around this fire. We've got the uh, town church ringing for 7pm, <laughs> 7, 7 <p.m. laughs> which, is, which is great. It's character, you yeah. know. <laughs> oh, man. So welcome. But let's go, James. So Beatles yes. Get Back documentary. So yes. Um, so we're still, we're still in France, but fortunately we can access Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, bit of time on our hands, so we uh, tuned in for the three full episodes. Um, okay, context, if you don't know already, I'm like a crazy Beatles fan, like like a real nut. Um, not, I'm not the one who wrote the books of like what they did every single day <laughs> in 1964, but I do own the books. <laughs> and I think they're a fascinating read. <laughs> so um, for me, there's like... And, and also, you know, we obviously make our own music and write songs and that kind of thing, so to see your favourite band like on film doing that process of, of like something that's really kind of behind closed doors f- from before that I just found yeah. it absolutely fascinating like you know there's no footage of Sergeant Pepper Sessions or Revolver there's the odd photo like the odd yeah. story to actually see I think it's like pretty ahead of its time to do like a full behind the scenes yeah. this is how our process works kind of thing like it could be a YouTube series you know um but yeah, I thought it was fascinating, like, that, I, I try and sort of, try and talk about it in ways that are not just, like, covered a million times over everywhere else, but, like, that whole period of the Beatles is meant to be them hating each other, breaking up, like, all disaster, because that's how the original film was edited, so they agreed to do this, like, they wanted to do a more live album, and they wanted to kind of film the process, and, like, John Lennon was well up for that, because he, like, wanted to dispel the myth of the Beatles and stuff a little bit and show sort of all the, all the warts and all kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so that was sort of what it was meant to be. But the original film, for whatever reason, was edited to, like, kind of all the negative bits. Maybe it was just to make it really? look dramatic or something. Wow. I've not actually watched the film. Maybe I watched bits of it, but I've not watched the whole film. It's, like, two hours or something. That'll be an interesting watch now that yeah. we've seen the footage edited in a different way. But I think it, they do more focus on the sort of argument bits, which, you know... This takes a lot more of that footage and puts it out because this is like eight hours long versus two hours. So you actually see the majority of the time. Because the majority of the time, they're really unproductive. <laughs> they are both like hyper speed and really unproductive. Mm. But yeah, my my summary of it, it was just like 
I knew a bit about the history. I love the Beatles. I love watching creative process. And there's lots of that in this eight hours doc. Um, and that's absolutely fascinating. Um, so yeah, really enjoyed it. Summary, opening. <laughs> um, yeah, to put it into context, this was released over three days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And each episode was almost three hours long. So it totaled to eight hours of content. Oh, it was, so I mean, I, I, unless you're an absolute Beatles fanatic, you probably just find absolutely mind-numbing and kind of insane. <laughs> because the Beatles in their... <laughs> when they're trying to make songs, that James said earlier, they're not productive. They are... Uh, it's, it's chaos. They are just playing random songs. They get distracted all the time. But I thought that was really interesting mm. because that is very similar to... Um, how I've experienced making songs in a group before or like mm. practicing mm. you just get distracted and you spend like a half an hour or so just mm. playing random songs so <laughs> I, I, I related to that yeah, my brain definitely gravitates towards that at random times like let's play songs from our old band from four years ago it's like yeah. okay and we just sort of do um, but I mean the interesting thing is they made the whole they start, sort of started writing and finished the album in the matter of like three weeks mental which is like is by these standards like crazy and you go oh my god in those three weeks they must have been busting a gut kind of thing and they did like you know not quite nine to five but they did do all day sessions just yeah. there the, the, these were the sessions that became let it be mm. um, which was released quite a lot later but mm. um yeah it's mental they started on the 6th of january or something and mm. then they finished on the, the on the last day of january or something, it was like, the 30th something like that yeah but it's like but this is the point that it can it's like juxtaposing that versus what the actual footage is. So you imagine, oh, they made an album in three weeks. They must have been really <laughs> pushing hard. But they were completely unfocused <laughs> half the time. They were just messing around. So like, And they, they did do songs like over and over and over again. So they did work mm. hard on the songs, and the songs did shape over the three weeks. It's not like they all came together in a day. Like mm. they, kept, they would do a song, go round just like doing random crap for ages and then come back to the song and it would be like a tiny bit better and they'd come up with more ideas and stuff. So that, it wasn't systematic, it wasn't like productive and wasn't like fast, but it also in the macro like was fast because it was all done in three weeks. I don't know. Um, so that, I've not got my head around that bit yet. <laughs> that that they, they, I didn't think they would mess around as much as we did in bands, but they messed around more. Yeah, they messed around so much. <laughs> um, it was. I, I found it really insightful because <laughs> there's there's always this mysticism around how the Beatles came up with those songs. But mm. in the documentary, you see just like there's there's a few great bits where the where Paul comes up with "Get Back," mm. Paul McCartney, <laughs> Sir Paul, <laughs> Sir, Sir Paul McCartney, and he's just messing around on the guitar before um, John Lennon gets in. It's like Paul sat here, and then in front of him are just. Um, George and Ringo just, just messing around mm. um, and Paul just, just like starts doing the single guitar and then over the course of maybe 90 seconds Get Back just appears yeah, <laughs> that yeah. was mental that's, that's just mental and then there's another there's another segment where oh it's it's a chaotic segment and Paul's on the piano and John Lennon is talking to someone about the live show they're going to put on. He's going on about like plastics and all this random shit. <laughs> yeah. And then George and Ringo are all just like, discussing like locations for the show because um, just for context, to, at the end of the documentary, they wanted to form a live show, which is what became their rooftop show in the end. But um, they were discussing locations and sets for that performance. Mm. And it's chaos. And then amidst all this stuff, like Paul McCartney's just 
on the piano and he just comes out with let it be just like, <laughs> it's, yeah. just, it's just crazy like, I read on one of the reviews it seems like John Lennon goes away and writes in the evening and it seems yeah. like Paul McCartney sits there in front of everyone and makes yeah. stuff up which is quite interesting process I think George is a bit more like John Lennon where he like comes in with stuff like mm. a bit tentatively mm. um, yeah it was a roller coaster but like yeah in terms of insights like the creative process there's not much I could take where it's go like that's how I do it apart from just the like sheer work ethic and speed. Because mm. um, the other thing that amazed me, and I know this album is where they did things more live and less overdubs, so like what you're watching would be different. But they would do like one half-hearted take, and then well, not half-hearted, but they do one with like you that you you know the song like for for me, I know the song so well. I've listened to the Let It Be record so many times that I know what songs are on there. So I can hear a take of like I've got a feeling and know that it's not the one on the record. But then the next take they did after that was the one on the record, and it's exactly as I remember it. Yeah. So I think there's an element of whatever got on the record because it was a Beatles record, whatever became like iconic in your mind. So when you hear them play that versus like just another take of the song, like they sound completely different to you. Like one sounds like a finished record, and the other sounds like they're messing around. If you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just their ability to like sing live, play live, the parts they would make up for a song that like someone just bought in, like All Things Must Pass. Like Paul McCartney's basically playing the bass that sounds like went on the George Harrison solo album, the final thing. Just from hearing it like five seconds ago, like yeah. their instinctive way of like playing together in parts was just I'm not sure what you can learn from that apart from just keep playing and playing and playing because like the Yeah, that was really, really incredible. Yeah. That's it. You just gotta keep, just gotta keep playing, and that's, yeah. They just had so much experience under their belt. They could churn out songs. Mm. That was crazy, um, and it was also really interesting to see the dynamic around George leaving temporary, temporary. So not I'm only, leaving the group now. No, not only did they record an album, write, write, and record most of an album in three weeks. George Harrison left for, for about a week. Yeah, about a week in that time. He just like left as like, oh, I'm leaving the band. I'll see you in the club, boys. And then he just went up to Liverpool for a couple of days. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, but that was really interesting seeing the dynamic there because I think a lot of people, or the way that I've interpreted it was that um, John and Paul sort of didn't really, they kind of neglected it mm. and they just didn't really listen to him and they didn't mm. get to, they didn't, Put his songs on the album and things like mm. that so George didn't have a creative outlet but it's actually um, a much more open discussion than I thought it was mm. so it's interesting to see those dynamics and mm. Paul actually has discussions with George like oh I want to include your songs but then I, I don't know how to because I can't mm. it's, it's a really interesting dynamic um, mm. yeah I agree that's that was like some of the most interesting bits like yeah there's the, sort of the two sides it's like the or maybe three there's like the just the historical context of it, just watching the 60s, which yeah. I read in Bob Lefset's review, is just like everything looks so modern apart from the cars. And it's like, I totally yeah. agree. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's because the picture's so nice. Yeah. Like it's all restored, so it just looks like modern footage. So there's that side, just like everything 60s, old phones, old recording equipment and stuff like that. Yeah. Then there's like the bit we talked about, the creative process where they're sat messing around doing all sorts of random shit that we do in the practice room except yeah. they had three weeks. <laughs> yeah, and they come up with hits. <laughs> yeah. And then the third bit, yeah, is the, like, um, dynamic between the group that we think we know and there's, yeah. like, 
you know, particularly with George Harrison leaving everything, we all think, like, we know the story and we know the reasons. But as you said, like, the most shocking bit is they knew the reasons as well and they talked about them openly. Yeah. Like, the openness of the conversations that they had around that. Like, their friendships were, like, so deep that we can't quite get into, like, what it was like to be in that group. The things they'd been through together and, like, the closeness. Mm. Even though, Even though that made them fall out or, like, perhaps maybe just be more open about, like, disagreements and not being afraid to stomp off because, like, you, you, your understanding with that person is on, like, another level. But, yeah, like, openly, to, like, particularly Paul and John, openly talking about, like, well, you used to be the boss and I'm sort of the boss now and I don't want to be the boss, but that's sort of what's happening and, like, yeah, I want my songs to be a certain way and I want to, like, let you have input, but also if I don't think it should go that way, should I not say anything and that kind of thing. And, like, that's so applicable to, like, other bands that have been in. I mean, I'd say, mm-hmm. like... This band's a bit different because Two Piece is not like a full band dynamic. Two Piece is sort of both more intense and more chill for different reasons. Yeah. But like, in a four-piece dynamic, we have multiple songwriters. Like, it definitely reflects in it. And I think I've definitely not been in as open conversations as like the Beatles did about that problem. And ultimately, they didn't solve it. They were just at that point where that that they had to go off and do their own thing. And I think I think history proved that to sort of be the right the right thing but um it's wild yeah and that's before we even got onto the fashion in the documentary because that's the main thing <laughs> yeah that, that was your main takeaway was glyn johns's uh yeah i i, I see, jacket i see i see it as a documentary on glyn johns's forays into late 60s fashion <laughs> and it just so happened that the beatles were there recording an album at the same time <laughs> yeah glyn johns is the um he was the audio engineer across that most mm. of that project. Mm. So he basically set up all the mics and the sound and, and, mm. and recorded them. But his jackets and his clothes and his shirts and his glasses, oh, they were just <laughs> on point all the time. Because cause you know, in, in the, for those who have seen maybe the documentary, but even the rooftop concert um, that was at the end of the documentary, because mm. that footage has been available for quite a long time, you see things like George Harrison's coat, which is epic, mm. and e- even John Lennon's coat in that um, big fur coat. Yeah, mm. love that sort of shit. But their inspiration was clearly Glyn Johns because <laughs> throughout Glyn Johns is coming in with coat after coat after coat, <laughs> and that it was just knock it day after day, it. knocking it out the park, <laughs> coat wise. <laughs> <laughs> oh but the God. other thing that's interesting is, um, um, I think you mentioned this, but um, coming back to how modern everything is, you look at. Um, John Lennon, he's wearing just like casual trains with jeans mm. and um, George Harrison's got Converse on and stuff like that. And mm. all the sort of um, stuffy business people around them are still like in mm. suits and stuff. Mm. So it's quite interesting. And I think that added to the mm. modern feel. Like they yeah. were wearing sort of pretty modern clothes yeah. at the time. I mean, Paul McCartney. <laughs> yeah, Paul McCartney. I wasn't a fan of Paul McCartney's dress then. <laughs> a lot of waistcoats, a lot of tank tops. Yeah. Not really my vibe. George Harrison was just completely outrageous, which I loved. <laughs> Like what was the like sort of light pink pinstripe suit with like purple dress shirt? Oh god, that was that was good. <laughs> and he uh, he asked someone to go and get him a bow tie at some point that he wore around his neck, like not around his collar. It's like, can you go and get me one of those lace bow ties? Like amazing. <laughs> there's, there's loads of golden golden stuff in there in dress dress sets. Yeah, Glyn John's like I don't know if you know, but he went off to do. He's actually a really famous producer in his own right. Like, mm-hmm. I know he's known for the Glyn John's method of like miking drums. Yeah. But he did like a few Who albums, a few Rolling Stones albums. Wow. I can't remember Led Zeppelin. I think he did. Like, he did proper. Wow. <laughs> he had a, his career like hadn't really taken off as much as it did later Sick. in the seventies and eighties and stuff. 
yeah, yeah. yeah. That's um, mental. So that that doc was was great. I enjoyed all eight hours of it. Yeah, go watch it. It's actually really good. It's if a you're a Beatles fan, if you're not, you might not understand it. <laughs> yeah, you might have to watch it on like two times speed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just get the rush of images and. <laughs> But it, also the rooftop concert at the end was really cool because it had extra mm. footage of like the police trying to like shut it down and stuff. So it wasn't just the concert; you yeah. had all these different things happening, and the Beatles were just up there playing, and they played the same songs a few times, which I didn't know. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it was great. Uh, yeah, one of the best doc, best docs ever. Loved it. Yeah. But yeah, so that was a big part of our week. <laughs> what else in Tucan Echo Land? We are back. Um, jamming so we've been working quite hard on behind the scenes stuff for our latest album Headless Restless um, you've been editing the well the music video been uploading and stuff um, we've been editing behind the scenes content but we've also started jamming again and kind of making whatever we're making next oh yeah we started um, writing songs for album 3 mm, um, which is fun yeah which is fun it's fun to go for like literally from the end of one process <laughs> The week before to like starting, you know, creating stuff again. Yeah. I love just starting the process again. Because by the time you're at the end of the album, yeah. you're ready to just Start go back to songs. a bit of chaos. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. So, yeah. so that's been fun. I mean, we haven't finished album two yet, but we also wanted to take advantage of being isolated from everything to write some songs. Mm. So that's quite productive, especially when you're in a different setting. You, you tend to come out with different stuff. So mm. Um, mm. that's why we've started album three. Having not finished album two, <laughs> mm. I'm getting a lot of um, like acoustic-y tracks right now. Uh huh. Um, I'm listening to a lot of Joni Mitchell and Neil Young and that sort of thing, as you know. Although not according to my Spotify top. Oh yeah, what's yours? Of... Okay, we'll get onto that in a sec. <laughs> but right now, I'm writing a lot of acoustic-y songs. I think we may have like an acoustic-y EP or something in between. Oh, um, that's naughty. Potentially, <laughs> because there's a few songs that are fitting that mold, and then nothing like the jam songs that we've got that's nutty oh. <laughs> well stay tuned folks for the potential Tikan Echo acoustic EP coming early, out sometime early musings um, wow even I didn't know about that so yeah, just, really I had the idea, the press I had the the idea today thought I'd throw it in um, that we could uh, we could be doing a little acoustic release post because you know it might be another year till the next album at our current rate of working um, but yeah anyway my Spotify my Spotify of the year is really fucked up because I use it to reference mixes. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I use it half the time for uh, just, you know, casual listening. Um, although we also listen to a lot of vinyl and stuff. Um, but also I use it for when I'm mixing Tucan Echo tracks. I listen to either old Tucan Echo tracks or um, like <clears throat> other tracks I like the sound of and to try and like make sure I've not done anything crazy with the mixing. Mm -hmm. But it means that my top... Um, yeah, my like top ones. I'm in the top 0.5% of people that listen to Tukin Echo. Are you? Yeah. That's, you're probably the top person. I, I imagine so. Unless someone's beaten me, which I'm very, very impressed. Well, you've probably got, I don't know, how many listeners? 100. And if James is in the top 0.5%, that makes you the top listener, James. I wouldn't be surprised because I listen to the songs quite a lot. Mostly for mixing purposes. Like, Blind When I See The Sun's one of my top ones, but I listened to it for ages because I wasn't sure if I was happy with the mix. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, is that too fuzzy? Is that what, not? Even though it's already on Spotify, you're still, yeah, yeah. you need to let it go. You need to let it go, James. It's because it would sound a little bit fuzzy. I was like, oh, was that because of the Spotify upload? So I was yeah. listening back and forth. Um, 
Yeah, so my... Might be hot. It is, it is hot. Yeah. But um, a cool thing that you get this year on Spotify, mm-hmm. year wraps or whatever they call it, is your audio aura. Oh, yeah. So your top moods. <laughs> All right. My top music moods, this would work better if we already had yours, but my top music moods are bold and energy. <laughs> oh, mine was... I definitely got bold. I might have got energy as well, though. I can't remember which one I got. I definitely got bold, though. Whereas my, my friend David's were calm and wistful. Calm and wistful? I don't even know what wistful means. <laughs> wistful. Isn't that sort of... I don't know, what sort of dreamy? Dreaming of something? Yeah, having or showing a feeling of vague or regretful longing. <laughs> Specific. Wow. <laughs> a wistful smile. Interesting. Well... So I got bold and energy, which is obviously very mean. I think I think I got bold. I might have got energy as well. So Mm. we are we are matching. It's because you're in the top zero point seven percent of Tukaneko listeners or whatever. I hope I I hope I'm not number two. I hope there's (laughs) someone in between me and James. I really hope there is. If if Tukaneko pops up on your Spotify Wrapped, and if you're in the top listeners, please let us know. (laughs) It's got to be someone. It's got to be someone. Some people have got to love it. Square ones. Square ones taken off. But um. Yeah, yeah all, all of mine were, um, I have a similar issue in that my Spotify is skewed because I listen to a lot of tracks to drum with, and mm. most of those tracks are tracks featuring Steve Jordan on the drums, i.e. Is he your top? <laughs> Continuum by John Mayer. Yeah. Most of that album, um, so I've got like their cover of Boulder's Love in repair. Yeah, you're just a super fan. Yeah, yeah great track. I was in the top ahead. 1% of John Mayer listeners. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That is high. Yeah. I was not in the... Yeah, I was just... I must have been as exciting for other artists. I think yeah. I had New Light as my top track because that's one of my favourite reference tracks. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I had some same stuff from, like, last year that I didn't think I listened to as much this year, but I had some, some like, Spanish reggaeton. <laughs> um, had Grateful Dead. I'm not sure the Beatles were in my top five this year. Really? Beatles Simon or something. Green Day. It was really random. But I think it's from the reference tracks. <laughs> yeah. Because I've listened to so much um, like Neil Young and Joni and... Yeah. Uh, not as much Beatles on Spotify, but a bit more on vinyl this year. But yeah. hey, anyway, that's my top spot. That's what Tuganego have been listening to. You heard it here. Segment's not over yet, James. Oh. <laughs> my, um, yeah, one of, the, one of the big things for me is for the first time ever, indie rock wasn't my top listened um, artist or my top listened genre. Yeah, mine was the... Top, your top list, mine was like fifth. Really? I had, um, I had alternative hip-hop as my top, which is interesting, because that's, that's not an active choice trying to be cool. That's just... <laughs> you are, I, I look at you, I see alternative hip-hop. <laughs> you but give that vibe. But it's been staunchly indie rock for the past, what, since, since rap came out, and I'm glad that that's finally gone. <laughs> you've eradicated that, that. Yeah, I've eradicated my past. <laughs> I think you've been trying to get rid of it. I think you've been actively listening to as much else as possible, whether you like Maybe. it or not. I had, I had alternative hip-hop, indie rock music as number two, and then ambient music as number three. Yeah. Which is... I'm going to try and get classical to my number one next year. Classical. <laughs> <laughs> Educate myself. <laughs> yeah. But, no, so that, that was another uh, exciting musical event of the day. But, um, but yeah, so we are back to England in a few days. Working on the album and the behind the scenes stuff a bit more. Starting jamming. We're going to be 
moving up to Leeds, sorting out our new practice space. It is all going to be happening. But um, yeah. same old stuff, really. Not much has changed. 